Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Numbers chapter 29. Numbers 29. If you're listening for the first time, on Wednesdays we go through the Old Testament and on Sundays we go through the New Testament. So we get the full counsel of the Word of God. Now, we're in Numbers 29, but a little refresher course. A couple weeks ago when the Lord has us had us in uh, uh, Numbers 27, in Numbers 27, remember that how uh, in the first generation... Uh, dies in the wilderness. It's the second generation that enters the wilderness. It's an Old Testament example of uh, death into death uh, uh, in Adam, death in Adam, and then being born again in Christ. And when there is birth in Christ, and I speak of uh, a belief in Jesus Christ, uh, that's the generation that passes on to to the promised land, and I speak of paradise. Uh, but remember in Numbers 27, when the Lord reminded Moses uh, that he he could only view uh, 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 the promised land, the land of milk and honey. And in, in chapter 27, uh, the book of Numbers in verse 15, then Moses spoke to the Lord. In verse 16, let the Lord, the, the, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. You see a little picture of the heart of Moses. Not a little picture. I mean, this is a pretty, I mean, this is pretty loud, the heart of Moses and his concern for the people. In verse 18, And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Set him before Eleazar the priest and before the congregation and inaugurate him in their sight. You see, as a type of Christ, Joshua who leads into the promised land, the land of milk and honey. And what's so beautiful about chapter 28 and chapter 29 is you see, and not just 29, but 30 and a little bit further in the book of Numbers, as we come to the closure of the book of Numbers, we're almost at the end. But you see these reminders of the law as statutes, but these reminders as sacrifice because there has to be blood. There has to be blood. Remember, the Ten Commandments were given three times. Three times. The first, verbally, orally, spoken. The second time, on two tablets, which were broken at the golden calf. And then the third time, two tablets again, but this time with sacrifice, with blood. It's very important to understand this as we study the full counsel of the Word of God, Old Testament and New Testament. And so here we are in continuation of these offerings and these statutes in accordance to the law. I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. But understanding these teachings from the law because, you know, we abide in Christ, the fulfillment of the law. But to understand these teachings of the Old Testament as a shadow of the things to come. And here we are in Numbers 29. In verse 1, and in the seventh month, this is Tishri. Tishri in the Hebrew calendar. Remember, the Hebrew calendar is lunar. It, it follows the lunar calendar. It's not a Gregorian calendar. Uh, do you remember in uh, 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 the Passover texts in, in, in Exodus? And when they were leaving Egypt, the Exodus from Egypt, the Lord says, okay, now is the beginning of months for you. It's like new time. 
we're going to start all over again. I mean, to give you like a, 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 an example of this, say we're like held captive in Canada. You know, I, I teach from America. If, wherever you are in the world, just so you know, I teach from the United States. Uh, but for, for example, say we're captives in uh, Canada and it is uh, September 1st that we exodus from Canada into, uh, we'll say, uh, Greenland, okay? So we're going from Canada to Greenland, and we're in captivity in Canada, and on September 1st, we're going into uh, uh, Greenland, and the Lord says, okay, you're going on September 1st, but now it's January 1st for you. New, new time. That's what he did with Israel. New times. Uh, Nisan. It's fresh. It's brand new. That's to give you an example of what happened. And it's so beautiful because what happens with you and me when we become born again? You know, it's like whenever it was. You might be 100 years old. You might be 80 years old. And you've been walking with Christ for, you know, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. Or maybe you've been walking with the Lord for seven days or five days. And what's so beautiful is you have this freshness. It's brand new. You become a believer. But then once we are a believer, then we mature. We grow. There's a lot of learning that happens in the wilderness. And so we see here in verse, in verse 1 in Numbers 29, And in the seventh month, this is Tishri, on the first day of the month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. For, for, you, it, for you, it is a day of blowing the trumpets. You see, now there are major, major prophetic implications to certain passages of the law, certain passages of certain statutes. And even, you know, these uh, in the Pentateuch, the major prophets, the minor prophets, there are major prophetic implications. Chapter 29 in Numbers, this is one of them. Now we see uh, 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 trumpets coinciding with days and feasts and offering and events and promises and we also see overlap from Leviticus 23 when we studied the feasts. The Passover, Pesach, Peshach, and the unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the uh, first fruits, Bikurim, Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, Pentecost, Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. The Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. And th th we're in Numbers 29. We see overlap from Leviticus 23. And we studied. You know, I, I flew over these because we've studied this already in Leviticus 23. Now, if you're listening for the first time, listen to our, 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 listen to our study through Leviticus. All of it. I, I say Leviticus 23. And you can focus on Leviticus 23, but listen to all of it. Leviticus Chapter 1 all the way to the end. Because you're going to get this understanding of this, the, the, these uh, uh, aspects of the law, but as a shadow of the things to come, pointing to Christ, fulfilled in Christ. And there's more overlap. There's other passages that has overlap and major, major prophetic implications. Events of the last days. Things that happened during the seven years, the 70th week of Daniel. Major, major prophetic implications. And I don't want to, you know, it's, it's not like, I don't want to say this and then not mention it, but 
you know, it's, we'll wait on that because we'll get into further chapters, future books, we'll touch on these. And, you know, as the Lord leads, because depending on when things start, because me personally, we're, I believe we're a last days generation. And I make a strong case for it. Very strong case for it. But I believe we're a last days generation. And so we might, we're going to continue going through the Bible, but there might come a time when it's like, okay, we're going to pause here and we're going to do a topical message and we're going to look at these feasts, these festivals, in tandem with other aspects of other statutes, Old Testament and New Testament. See, okay, these, these, this is how things are going to pan out. Blueprints for the 70th week. These are all contained in Holy Scripture. And so we see here in verse 2, You shall offer a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord, one young bull, one ram, and seven lambs in their first year without blemish. Their grain offering shall be fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering to make atonement for you besides the burnt offering with its grain offering for the new moon. Now remember, the new moon here, it's uh, uh, lunar. It translates as new months because the Hebrew calendar is lunar. They follow the lunar calendar, not Gregorian. Not Gregorian. The regular, burnt, uh, uh, um, the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and their drink offerings according to their ordinance as a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Now, I flew through these, uh, the, these last several verses. I flew through these for a reason. Because we've studied Leviticus already. We've looked specifically at the grain offering, the sin offering, the burnt offering, you know, devoting chapters, a whole, a whole, a whole day of study into the meaning of these uh, offerings. And so, you know, we've, since we've studied this already, you know, we touch on these and maybe make brief mention of these things. Uh, but you have to have this backdrop of Leviticus. And when you have the backdrop of Leviticus from the Old Testament, not just Leviticus, but Exodus, Leviticus, uh, a little bit of the, the latter part of Exodus, all of Leviticus, and uh, a, a bulk of Numbers, uh, it will help you. It will help you in your future studies through the Old Testament and even New Testament because you have this understanding of the law and also the knowledge of knowing that the law is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus Christ is the one who says, I did not come, you know, to, I did not come here to do away with the law. Not to do away with the law. He says, I came to fulfill the law. Those are his words, not mine. And the law, just like we studied on Wednesday, uh, uh, last Sunday, the law is still in effect and the law is still holy. Remember, we, in last Sunday, uh, on Sunday, we had the message about, you know, the uh, 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 low beams and the high beams. The law and the covenant of uh, 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 the law and the covenant of Christ, the new blood. This cup is the, the uh, this is the, uh, uh, the cup of my blood, the new covenant he gave us. We studied that all on Sunday. And so as we grow and we continue to mature in Christ, we have this backdrop of the law and we have this backdrop of the fulfillment of the law through our studies through the New Testament. And we continue to learn. And so he says here in verse 7, On the tenth day of the seventh month, still in, so it's Tishri. 
tishri, still in tishri. You shall have a holy convocation. You shall afflict your souls. You shall not do any work. This is Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. This is from our study in Leviticus 23, verse 27, the affliction of soul. And we touched on this already, but, you know, it's like with, with sin, you know, with sin there requires a covering, which is atonement. But then at the same time, you know, there's that affliction of soul. Even, even in Christ, there's the affliction of soul when we transgress. I don't want to say like, you know, if, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But you know what I mean when, you know, there's the, don't forget there's the sin of commission and then there's the sin of omission. The sin of commission and the sin of omission. You might say, well, you know, I don't do this, I don't, I don't, I don't get drunk, I don't do, do drugs, I don't do the sex, I don't do this, I don't do that. Okay, but what is it that the Lord wants you to do that you don't do? And the Bible says to him it is sin. That's the sin of omission. And when you're confronted with the realization of sin or transgression in whatever shape or form it comes in, there's that affliction of soul. It's good. It's healthy. Because it evokes a response. It evo- it's, what, what is it that we do when that happens? We fall on our face before the Lord and repent. Be cleansed. Be made right. So that we can have peace with the Lord. Old Testament and New Testament The whole objective is for people to be right with God. And that only happens through blood. You know, for, you know, uh, Abraham, Noah, you see passages where the Bible reveals that to him it was accounted for righteousness sake. He said, well, can it be done for me too? Well, understand that for their generation that was before the law. Not outside the law because there were still laws in place such as the circumcision. The circumcision was a law before the law. A law before the Ten Commandments. That's why the Lord wanted to kill Moses. Do you remember our study where the, the, Lord, the Lord wanted to kill Moses? A giver of the law was breaking the law because before the Ten Commandments, there was a law given to Abraham about the circumcision. And Moses was going to, in obedience to the Lord, the Lord says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to call, I'm, I want you to go back to Egypt. And Moses was like, okay, I'm off to go. I mean, you know, he, 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 there was a little bit of stubbornness too in, in the heart of Moses, which the Lord dealt with. But Moses was about to go along on his merry way. And the Bible says the Lord was about to kill him. Why? Because he already, he was breaking, he almost broke one law which was his kids weren't circumcised. And his beautiful wife stepped in, Zipporah. Took the kids, picked up a sharp stone, and circumcised them right, circumcised the kids right there, and threw the foreskins at the feet of Moses. You see the intercession of his beautiful wife. Saving her husband because the Lord wanted to kill him. And so the Lord relented because of the acts of Zipporah, his wife. And through the acts of Zipporah, his wife, Moses then continued on, no longer a breaker of the law. 
No Ten Commandments, but the law of circumcision was already given. See, remember, in the in Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. Well, Moses killed. But it wasn't held against Moses because that law hadn't been given at that time. Moses killed the Egyptian. Well, why didn't God kill Moses? He broke the law. Well, the law, that law wasn't given at the time. But the law of circumcision was, which is why the Lord wanted to kill him. So you might in your mind be like, well, wait a second. How come I can't, it can't be accounted unto me for righteousness just like it was for Abraham? Well, the only way that can happen is through Christ because blood is required. Through Jesus Christ. Righteousness doesn't come through the law. Because if righteousness could come through the law, that means that Christ died in vain. There was no point for Jesus Christ to die. That's what Paul says. I'm just the messenger. I'm echoing the words of Paul. That's what he says to the church in Galatia, a church that wanted to return to the law and go back to the law. And so we see here in verse 8, you shall present a burnt, offer, a burnt offering to the Lord as a sweet aroma, one young bull, one ram, and seven lambs in their first year. Be sure they are without blemish. Remember, nothing mangy. Nothing mangy. Their grain offering shall be of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for, for the one ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, besides the sin offering for atonement. For atonement, which is a covering. A covering. The regular burnt offering with its grain offering and their drink offerings. Now, these are things that we've studied already through our study through Leviticus. And if you remember, I mean, remember how when we were in Leviticus, you know, when we started to say like, you know, that these, this is a, a, a nice foundation for future studies in future books. Well, here we are in Numbers. And now that we have this backdrop of Leviticus, now you see what I mean. If you're listening for the first time and you're like, well, wait a second, I don't have the backdrop of Leviticus. Okay, get the backdrop of Leviticus. All of it. All of it. It will help you. And so we see here in verse 12. In verse 12. On the 15th day. Now we're still on the first day. Uh, this is the first day which starts on the 15th day. And now we're going to enter into the Feast of Tabernacles, which, which was covered in uh, uh, Leviticus 23. In our study in Leviticus 23, verse 33 through 36. But really quick. Turn with me to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23, verse 10. Leviticus 23, verse 10. And this is what he says in verse 10. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest... Then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. That's a big verse. Verse 10 is a big verse. Because we read this with this backdrop of Leviticus, now that we have the full counsel of just Leviticus alone, we look at numbers. But let's look at verse 10 as New Covenant believers. Understanding who we are in Christ as we make a choice to abide in Christ, the fulfillment of the law. Not abiding in the law. 
abiding in the fulfillment of the law, abiding in Christ. And he is the good shepherd. If he's the good shepherd, where is he leading us to? I mean, does a shepherd just stand there? I, I, I don't mean to say that with any disrespect to the Lord. But I say this in full honor and glorification of him. You know, the good shepherd, he's leading us. He's leading you and me. You could say through this world, but that's just part of the picture. Paradise. Oneness with Him. I go to prepare a place for you. That's what He says. Those are His words, not mine. That where I am, you may be also. He is the Good Shepherd. Now, as New Covenant believers, now I pray that you believe in Jesus Christ. If you're not a believer, hit pause right now and scroll and listen to a message, how to commit your life to Christ, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Listen to that message and then commit your life to Jesus Christ. And then when you're done, come back and listen and praise be to the Lord. I don't want to just gloss over that and be like, okay, do this, do this, and then come back. I don't want to gloss over it like that. It's a beautiful, beautiful event. Your entry, your... And Nisan, so to speak. Newness, your exit from Egypt. That's if you're a, 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 a non-believer and then you become a believer. Now, if you are a believer and you've been playing games with the Lord, you also hit pause and recommit your life to Jesus Christ. And so we read verse 10 here in Leviticus 23, verse 10. When you come into the land. Now, understand where is it that the Good Shepherd is leading us to? Capital G, capital S, Good Shepherd. Where is it that he's leading us to? You could say, is it the promised land? Uh, kind of the promised land. It's called paradise. It's called heaven. You guys say kind of the promised land because, you know, that I don't want to have any worldly implications to the promised land. But it is a promise. It is a promise nonetheless. Where is it that he's leading us to? And when you come, verse 10, when you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest. Very interesting terminology. Understanding that, you know, what the Lord teaches, what the good shepherd teaches about the wheat and the tares growing together until the harvest. And the reaping of the harvest. What happens to the tares? What happens to the wheat? I'll read, you know, I'll read it over again, verse 10. When you come into the land which I give to, give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest. Very, you know, we also, here we are in Leviticus, looking at Leviticus 23, verse 10, and we have this backdrop also of 1 Corinthians. And what do we see in 1 Corinthians 15? What the Lord teaches about the first fruits. The first fruit of the resurrection. And the first fruit of the re resurrection, don't forget when we looked at Revelation, the first fruit of the resurrection. Now, if you're listening the first time, you're like, whoa, what, what is he talking about? Listen to our study through 1 Corinthians. All of it. He says in verse 10, Then you shall bring a sheaf of the firstfruits of your harvest to the priest. Now, 
in the law, you know, Aaron is still alive here. So, you know, it's it bring it to the priest. But as a shadow of the things to come, who is high priest in the order of Melchizedek? It's Christ. Now, can you see the prophetic implications to verse 10? Of course, this is, you know, for a people of the law back then in Leviticus 23. But what about a people under Christ? A people who are abiding in Christ. When you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. You see, as new covenant believers, verse 10 is pretty hardcore. And I don't want to say pretty hardcore just to like gloss over it. But when I say it's pretty hardcore, major, major, major prophetic implications for a people of the way. Now, let's go back to Numbers 29. And in Numbers 29, what do we see here in verse 12? In Numbers 29, verse 12, the Lord says, written by Moses, on the 15th day of the seventh month, still in Tishri, still in Tishri. Now, you know, we look at uh, 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 Leviticus 23, verse 10, and this is the first day which starts on the 15th day because verse 12 says on the 15th day. But what we're going to see here is explanation or a little bit more detail to the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles. And so he says this, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work, and you shall keep a feast to the Lord. Seven days. Seven days. Very important to understand. Seven days. And so we see, you in verse 13, You shall present a burnt offering, an offering made by fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord. Thirteen young bulls, Two rams and fourteen lambs. So we see thirteen, two, and fourteen. Thirteen young bulls, two rams, and fourteen lambs in their first year. They shall be without blemish. Remember, nothing mangy. Nothing mangy at all. It's not, you know, under the law, you can't offer anything mangy at all. It's, everything has to be pure. Pure. Their grain offering shall be of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for each of the thirteen bulls, two-tenths for each of the two rams, and one-tenth for each of the fourteen lambs. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering besides the regular burnt offerings, its grain offering and its drink offering. On the second day, present twelve young bulls, two rams, fourteen lambs in their first year without blemish. Verse 18, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs by their number according to the ordinance. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering besides the regular burnt offerings with, with its grain offerings and their drink offerings. On the third day, present 11 bulls, 2 rams, 14 lambs in their first year without blemish and their drink and, and their grain offering and their drink offering for the bulls for the rams and for the lambs by their number according to the ordinance also one kid one goat as a sin offering besides the regular burnt offering its grain offering and its drink offering on the fourth day present 10 bulls two rams and 14 lambs in their first year without blemish and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls for the rams and for the lambs, by their number, according to their ordinance, also one kid of the goats as a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the fifth day, present nine bulls, 
two rams and 14 lambs in their first year without blemish and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams and for the lambs by their ordinance, according to by their number, according to the ordinance. Also, one, ki- one goat as a sin offering besides the regular burnt offerings, its grain offering and its drink offering on the sixth day. Present eight bulls, two rams and 14 lambs in their first year without blemish and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams and for the lambs by their number according to the ordinance. Also, one goat as a sin offering besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering and its drink offering. On the seventh day, on the seventh day, present seven bulls, two rams, and 14 lambs in their first year without blemish and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs by their number according to the ordinance. Also, one goat as a sin offering besides the regular burnt offerings, its grain offering and its drink offering. Now, we flew through these, you know, on the first day, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. We flew through these. We flew through these for a reason. We have this backdrop of Leviticus, our study through Leviticus. And then also, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say, uh, you know, we're going to skip we'll skip uh, this verse through this, this verse, or we're going to skip this chapter because of the re- redundancies. You know, this person begets this, begets this, begets this, or such as what we went through, you see a lot of, and I mean, no disrespect to the Lord, no disrespect to the Lord in any way, shape or form. Uh, but uh, there are certain redundancies, such as what we just read. And I, not, not, no disrespect to the Lord. And, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, you know, we're going to skip from this verse to this verse because of the redundancy. So we're going to skip it. But in this regard, you, my friend, my beloved, my brother, my sister, you minister to me. Because I want to stand before the Lord one day and say, Lord, I, I, I gave them your full, your full word. Even all the begets, even, you know, these passages where it's like, you know, a repetition, all of it. I gave them your word, every jot, every tittle. And so in this regard, you minister to me because I know that I'm going to stand before the Lord one day with heavier judgment. That's why Brother James says, let there not, let there not be too many teachers. Let there not be too many teachers because we're held to a stricter account. What I love so much about these redundancies, and I say redundancies in air quotes, but there's beauty in all of it because it helps. I mean, have you ever seen somebody who's like really fit, Uh, somebody who's just in like a professional athlete, whether it be professional basketball, professional fighting, professional tennis, professional golf, professional, you know, uh, whatever it is. There's a lot of redundancies to their sport. In training for their sport, it's called muscle memory. You get muscle memory where you can practically do things with your eyes closed. Muscle memory. And that's what I love so much about these redundancies. You see it a lot in the law, but you even see it in the the New Testament. Redundancies where, you know, even Paul, he says a lot of the same things to sometimes the same church and other times to different churches. You know, he'll say something to Corinth and be like, wow, you know, he said the exact same thing in Ephesus. Well, they're Christians. A people of the way that need to learn, that need to know these things. And not just know them, but apply them in our lives. Peter says this, a lot of repetition with Peter. These are things that we have to know and apply in our lives. Old Testament and New Testament. 
You know, praise the Lord for the redundancies because it helps us. Now, in the law, there's the little asterisk there. Understand that in the fulfillment of the law, we have this understanding of the character of our Lord. And so we see these teachings, these, you know, a little uh, further explanation to the Feast of Tabernacles. And understand that, you know, a week has seven days. A week has seven days. You don't need me to teach about that, how a week has seven days. But in accordance with this Feast of Tabernacles, we see here in verse 35, on the eighth day, on the eighth day, a little continuation of the Feast of Tabernacles, which bleeds into the following week, which the Lord calls the eighth day. On the eighth day, you shall have a sacred assembly. You shall do no customary work. Now, if you're listening and you are Jewish, I want you to know that I love you. Okay, I know sometimes, you know, when you're Jewish and you hear a Christian speak, I know sometimes it's abrasive. It's abrasive for me too. I'm not Jewish. A lot of times Christians, and you have to be careful too because there's these false teachings, propagators of replacement theology where Christians who say that God is done with Israel and the promises to Israel are no longer to Israel, they're to, the, they're to the Christian, they're to the church. That's a lie. So if you're Jewish and you're like, wow, you know what, that, that's right, you know, I remember that guy told me this and this famous guy who's, you know, tied with this coalition, he says it too. Propagators, that, that God is done with Israel, God, no. He teaches things which he ought not to teach. Such propagators of replacement theology, they teach things with the, which they ought not to teach. They don't know the scriptures. So if you're Jewish, I want you to know that I love you. Okay? In me, you will always have a friend. Always. Now, you might be curious. In Jewish custom, not all, but in Jewish custom, there's something called Shemini Atzeret. The eighth day of Sukkot. The eighth day of Sukkot, which is an extra day with God. Of both Jewish and also Samaritan. What also happens on the eighth day? Circumcision. And what about circumcision of heart? Circumcision of heart. Now, when I say there are major, major prophetic implications, now, something's going to happen in accordance to the prophet Zechariah. And I say this, you know, if, if you're uh, abiding in Christ, abiding in Jesus Christ, praise be to the Lord. Th this will still happen. But if you're abiding in Moses, and I speak to my Jewish friends, and even my Samaritan friends, if you're listening, Something's going to happen in accordance with Zechariah the prophet in chapter 12 and 13 where Israel will look upon the Messiah and say, what are those wounds on your hands? And he will respond, it was here 
I was wounded in the house of my friends. And when you see the prophecies of Zechariah, you're going to see the affliction of Saul upon Israel. You see? Blindness, gone. The realization, the seeing of Jesus Christ as Messiah. Not Jesus Christ as a prophet. Jesus Christ as Messiah, Son of David, Son of God, Lamb of God. So we see here these two rams in accordance with the Feast of Tabernacles. You see here these two rams. But then also understand too that these two rams, when in our study through Exodus 29, one is for the altar and the burnt offering, and then the other is for the Kohanim, the priesthood. Exodus 29, verse 30, the son becomes priest. In the order of Melchizedek, high priest. Understand the veil was torn from top to bottom. Not from bottom to top. There wasn't anybody at the bottom with scissors trying to cut it from bottom to top. No, the veil, the veil that separates the holy place, it was torn from top to bottom. Who could enter? The high priest. And I'm not speaking about in accordance to Adam. I'm speaking about the fulfillment of the law in accordance to Christ. That veil was torn. And all these are very, very difficult. If you're Jewish, if you're Samaritan, very difficult to grasp, especially if you're abiding in Moses. But understand that Moses wrote of Christ. The Pharisees even made that argument to Christ. We studied that on Sunday. The Pharisees, you know, we follow Moses, we follow Moses. And Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High, Lamb of God, Son of David. He says, how could you, how could you believe Moses when Moses wrote about me? Now, turn with me really quick to Romans, the book of Romans. Chapter 2, Romans chapter 2. And in Romans chapter 2, we're going to read a passage from a student of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a Pharisee, also of the Sanhedrin, respected by the Kohanim and the Levitical priesthood, the high priest, the council, the scribes, and the Sadducees. And he had a student by the name of Saul. Who, when Saul, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a student of Gamaliel. And when he became a Christian, how he affirmed that, yes, it's difficult to kick against the goads. He wrote this passage to the church in Rome of both Jew and Gentile. 
And he says this in Romans chapter 2, verse 25, For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirement of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? You see? There is such a thing as the law of faith. The law of faith of which, of, of which this student of Gamaliel teaches in Romans chapter 3, verse 31. Do we then, he says in, in, in Romans 3.31, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not, exclamation point. On the contrary, we establish the law. I'm just the messenger. And I echo the words of the student of Gamaliel. His name is Paul, but still a student of Gamaliel, a Pharisee. Respected, he was in the Sanhedrin, respected by the Kohanim and the Levitical priesthood. And the high priest. Going back to Romans chapter 2, verse 27, And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code or letter of the law, and circumcision or transgressor of the law? You see, this harkens to our study just last Sunday through 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you're listening and you're Jewish or Samaritan, listen to our study on Sunday. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Listen to that. I urge you. And I come to you as a friend. I'm not... Replacement theology. You know, you think replacement theology is crazy? So do I. You think the propagators are crazy? So do I. But this guy is well respected. He has his coalition. I know. What does that have to do with it? They're still crazy. I'm in complete and total agreement. They teach things on which they ought not to teach because they don't understand. God is not finished. The promises to Abraham. That it's not done. There's more to happen. There's more to be fulfilled. There are people who teach. There are people who, they say they're Christians. And they say that God is done with Israel. No, He's not. He's not. And so if you're Jewish or Samaritan, I come to you as a friend. As a friend. In me, you have a friend. I love you. I don't know you. But I love you. What this writer here, this student of Gamaliel, highly, highly respected among the Pharisees, Sadducees, Sanhedrin, highly, highly respected by the high priest, Kohanim. This very same thing about circumcision happens to another fellow I know. Turn with me really quick to John, the book of John, chapter 20. John, chapter 20. John, chapter 20, verse 
24. Now Thomas. Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. Now Thomas, who was circumcised in accordance to Adam. Physically. Now Thomas, called the twin, verse 24, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, so he said to them Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You see, Thomas gave conditions. He was circumcised physically of the flesh in accordance to Adam, circumcised. But yet he was still found wanting. Because as this student of Gamaliel revealed, what is circumcision and what is uncircumcision? It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Thomas, circumcised in accordance to Adam, but also uncircumcised, he gave these conditions. I will not believe. He gave his conditions. Unless this happens, this, 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 I'm not going to believe. But look what happens here on, in, in verse 26. And after eight days, you see, oh, but there's, no, there's only uh, seven days in a week. I know. There's only seven days in a week. I know. Shemini <laughs> Atzeret. And after eight, de- after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came. The door is being shut. Very interesting here. The door is being shut. The door is being shut. I'll say it a third time. The door is being shut. And stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Shalom, he says. (laughs) Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Circumcision. Circumcision of heart belief. Thomas, in in these little verses, Thomas, circumcised in the flesh. In verse 24, and in verse 28, circumcision of heart. The very thing that the student of Gamaliel teaches in Romans 2, what 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 we looked at in Romans 2, verse 25 through 27, the very thing that the student of Gamaliel writes about and teaches about is the very thing that happened to Thomas. Also Jewish. Circumcision of the flesh. And in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 verses. Circumcision of heart. Now, you say, wait a second, yes, I'm Jewish, I'm Samaritan, and I still, you know what, you know, you say you're my friend, but I, 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 I still abide in Moses. The prophet Zephaniah, 
Let's turn to the prophet Zephaniah in the book of Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 14. Verse 14. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Exclamation point. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy, the king of Israel. The Lord is in your midst. Now, I'll say this. There's not two messiahs. There's not two messiahs according to very, very, very common rabbinical teachings. If you're Jewish or Samaritan, there's not two messiahs, which is very commonly taught to very the large majority of rabbis. One Messiah, two comings, not two Messiahs. One Messiah, two comings. The prophet Zephaniah says here in verse 15, The king of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear. Zion, let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God. These are the very same words that Thomas said, what we looked at in John 20. The very same words that Thomas, who was Jewish, circumcised of the flesh, and in five verses, circumcised of the heart because of belief. He says, Lord and my God, to Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of David, and Lamb of God, If you're Jewish, if you're Samaritan, see Thomas as your predecessor. Walk in like manner. Don't be unbelieving, but be believing. Circumcised of the flesh? Okay, that's fine. But I'm speaking about the heart, circumcision of heart. Where you can say of Christ, Son of God and Son of David, Lamb of God, my Lord and my God. You say, blasphemy, blasphemy. I, I abide in Moses. Moses was a servant. Moses was a servant in the Master's house. Listen to our study from Sunday, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm not saying the law is bad. The law is good. This student of Gamaliel, he says the same thing in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. This student of Gamaliel, very respected among the Kohanim and Levitical priesthood, the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees. And other Pharisees. And the student of Gamaliel says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, but we know that the law is good if 
one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. This is the student of Gamaliel who says these things. A student of Gamaliel who was well-respected, Gamaliel of, of, held in high esteem among the Kohanim and the priesthood. And such a person says these things. You say, wait a second, you know, I abide in Moses. Okay, I understand. But Moses wrote of Christ. Moses wrote of Jesus in the law, you will not find rest. You have to enter the door. I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear me, I will come in and sup with you, intimacy with him. The same way that the angel of the Lord supped with Abraham in his tent. Oh, but the Ten Commandments weren't given then. There you go. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. You see? You mean there's righteousness outside of the law? You can't see me, but I have a big smile on my face. We're moving on to paradise. The promised land. The promised land that's not of this world. The promise to Abraham. Before the law. Before the Ten Commandments, the promise to Abraham. Remember Abraham in the wilderness? You know, Abraham, look up at the skies. You see all those stars? The generations after your seed, it's going to be like this. And Abraham believed. Believed. And it was accounted to him for righteousness sake. Now, if you're not Jewish, you're not Samaritan, and you are Arab, Ishmael, Ishmael was circumcised first. <laughs> In me, you have a friend as well. You see? Righteousness outside of the law. I'm not doing away with the law in any way, shape, or form. The law is good if one uses it lawfully. And if you remember our study from Sunday, the law is a tutor. But there is a generation that has no need of, of a tutor. Why? Because that's what happens when you abide in Christ. Who stands at the door of your heart? And if you hear... He's the one who says, I will come in and sup with you. Intimacy with him. The same way Abraham. The same way Abraham had intimacy. And it was accounted to him for righteousness.
Let's go back to the prophet Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 15. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy, the king of Israel. The Lord is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly or who grieve over the appointed assembly. Remember the affliction of the soul? The affliction of the soul as part of the feasts leading up to the tabernacles? The feast of tabernacles? Affliction of soul? Who are among you to whom it's report who who are among you to whom its report reproach is a burden? Behold, at that time I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame and gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame. In every land where they are where they were put where they were put to shame. At that time I will bring you back. Even at the time I gather you, I will give you fame and praise, which is name and honor. Give you a name and honor. That's how it translates. And praise. Among all the peoples of the earth, when I return your captives before your eyes. This is for a last day's generation. If you're Jewish, if you're Samaritan, if you're Arab, remember these words. And, you know, say, say you desire to abide in Moses. You still, you, you want to, but you still can't. Then remember these words. Now say you, you want nothing to do with uh, 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 Moses. You want nothing to do with Christ. Remember, that's all I ask. That's all I beg of you. Remember. Because these things will happen before the eyes of a last day's generation. These things will come to pass. Every jot, every tittle, all these things will come to pass. And yes, Ishmael was circumcised first. When I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. These things will come to pass. Now that we see this eighth day... This eighth day, which correlates to the circumcision in accordance to the law, but understanding in the fulfillment of the law, there's deeper meaning behind it. There's, it's deeper. What you may perceive to be a puddle is actually 3,000 feet deep. It's much deeper. Now, let's go back to Numbers 29. In Numbers 29, in verse 35, on the eighth day, on the eighth day, Shemini Atzeret, if you happen to be Jewish or even Samaritan, on the eighth day you shall have a sacred assembly, you shall do no customary work, you shall present a burnt offering, an offering made by fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord. One bull, one ram, 
Notice here, not many like before. One. One bull, one ram. You see a little different picture start to emerge. Unity of Israel. One bull, one ram. Seven lambs in their first year without blemish. Very interesting what we see here. Seven lambs. Now, the Lamb of God, capital L, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of David. There are seven factions to this Lamb. I'll name them for you. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Made pure. Being made pure today with repentance. Remember, when you read the prophecies, not just prophecies, but when you read uh, 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 um, uh, for the first century church, you read uh, uh, Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, and you see the seven churches. There's only two which don't have the admonition to repent. Smyrna and Philadelphia. Those are the only two. The rest, repent, 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 repent. So today, being made pure. But at a future time, already pure. In Christ, in glorified bodies. Washed by the blood of the Lamb. Washed, made clean by the blood of the Lamb. And I speak of Jesus Christ. Notice at the end of verse 36, in their first year without blemish, <laughs> young. This, <laughs> this bunch is quite young. The ones that I speak of, of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea at that particular time as a shadow of the things to come. When these things come to pass, when the prophecies of Zephaniah come to pass, you will also see this other bunch of seven and they will be very, very young in their first year even without blemish. Nothing mangy. You see? A shadow of the things to come. And their grain offering in verse 37. And their grain offering and their drink offerings. Very interesting. What does this student of Gamaliel say? And I speak of Paul. What does he say about his own life? My life is being poured out as a drink offering. A shadow of the things to come. For the bull, for the ram, and for the lambs, by their number, according to the ordinance. You see, here we are in Numbers 29. And yet, with a new set of eyeballs... A new set of eyes, eyes to see and ears to hear. In verse 38, in closing, also one goat as a sin offering besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering and its drink offering, all these things as a shadow of the things to come. And they all point to Christ. They all point to Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. You see, His first coming and his second coming. And 
there's much, 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 much more. If you're Jewish, if you're Samaritan, if you're Arab, I love you. There's much, 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 much more. And we'll save it. We'll save it for another day. Maybe soon. But every jot, every tittle will come to pass. Must come to pass. Verse 39. These you shall present to the Lord at your appointed feasts beside your vowed offerings and your free will offerings as your burnt offerings and your grain offerings, as your drink offerings and your peace offering. Remember, in the law, the whole objective in the law is for people to be right with God. And the Lord uses His servants. Abodah, abodah, mishkan. Remember our study through Leviticus? Abodah, abodah, mishkan. Servants. Servants in the bondservant's house. Or bond servants in the shepherd's house. Bond servants in the shepherd's house. Aboda, Aboda, Mishkan. Who are his servants in accordance to Moses? The Kohanim, the Levitical priesthood. But who are bond servants of this shepherd as new covenant believers? Bond servants of the good shepherd. Also servants, also messengers, just like this student of Gamaliel. And I speak of Paul. And I also speak of Paul's students, such as Titus and Timothy, even Peter. You see? It's in the law to be right with God. And blood is required. As new covenant believers, as abiding in the fulfillment of the law, to be right with God. And yes, blood is still required. Not in accordance to the law, but in the fulfillment of the law, the blood of the Lamb. All these things will come to pass. Some has already come to pass. The first coming of Christ but there's more. The second coming. You see? Not two messiahs. If you're Jewish, Samaritan, not two messiahs. A lot of rabbis today, they'll teach two messiahs. And this so-called messiah, which will enter the world stage one day and likely very soon, He will cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And when that happens, all hell will break loose. Literally and scripturally, all hell will break loose. And when that happens, when that happens, which it will, remember the words of Zephaniah. In Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 16. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion, let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God 
in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with this love. He will rejoice over you with singing. These rabbis who teach about two messiahs. Many, 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 many people in Israel. Jews in Israel. Will believe this person who enters the world stage will believe this person to be the Messiah in accordance to what they were taught by the rabbis who teach two messiahs. But in accordance to the prophecies of Daniel, Daniel the prophet, he will be revealed as the Antichrist. What the real Messiah warns of. But the real Messiah he will come again. If today you're abiding in Moses, I urge you to abide in Christ. As a lover of Moses, I say this to you. But understand that Moses wrote of Jesus. But even still, if it, that is difficult for you, then remember these words that you heard today. Because all of these things, every jot, every tittle, will come to pass. We're in, you know, we're looking at this studying Numbers 29. And the implications when, you know, when Moses, that first generation dies in the wilderness, but that second generation led by Joshua, Yeshua, a type of Christ. To enter the promised land. What about Jesus? Yeshua. You see? And don't forget Leviticus 23 verse 10. When you come into the land which I give to you. And reap its harvest. Then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. These things will come to pass. The law is a shadow of the things to come. Let's look at verse 40, the last verse in our study today in Numbers 29. So Moses told the children of Israel everything, just as the Lord commanded Moses. Beautiful, beautiful people of the way. And if you're listening, and you're Jew, Samaritan, Arab, I don't care. Asian, Russian, whatever. I don't care. I love you. You commit your life to Jesus Christ right here, right now. Enter through the door. I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear me, I will come in. Those are his words. Those are the words of the master. The one who Moses served. The one who the student of Gamaliel served. The one whom I serve. Hear his voice. Let him into your heart. And he will sup with you. As the angel of the Lord supped with Abraham. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And if that's you. You're not a believer, but you want to be a believer right now. When we're done, you listen to the message, how to receive Jesus Christ as Lord, how to commit your life to Jesus. 
and you become a believer, enter the door. The temple had a door. The tabernacle had a door. What does Jesus say of himself? I am the door. Capital D, I am the door. Enter and find rest for your souls. God bless you people of the way. I love you.